Salvation is a sign of grace from God, but that doesn't mean that we can or should take it for granted and become complacent in the role that God places us in and not live up to the godly standard that he expects of us as his children. Hi, I'm Femi Asabin, a preacher for the Church of Christ. In today's sermon, Complacency Kills, we will study 1 Samuel 2 and look at how Eli's sons became complacent against the priesthood they possessed and the impact it had on their whole family. Hopefully, we can utilize their example to see how not to treat God or the position he put us in. We must never become complacent in our relationship with God. Because at times it becomes easy to take it for granted the status that we have with God when we recognize that we're his children and the blessing that's afforded of being in Christ. But that grace that we take for granted can lead us to behaviors that condemn us in the long run if we become complacent with our status as Christians. You see, we got to remember that it is we who need God, not God who needs us. A lot of times what some people tend to believe is that once they're a Christian, that they are benefiting the church by their presence by so much that they can treat God any way that they want to. But those who have an understanding of what God has called us to understand and recognize that it is grace that has been afforded to us that allows us to have this status as Christians that we should be appreciative of and we should never take it for granted. And we should always be looking on how we can live to show God appreciation for that grace and not to just get to the point to where we say, I could live how I want because I have received grace. And that the more I sin, the more grace I receive. So I'm better because I'm receiving more grace. And that's the argument that Paul spoke against because some were saying that as he wrote to Romans, that that was the attitude he had because they're saying that the sins were freely forgiving. So the more sin you have, the more grace you will receive because it will require more grace. And that's a good thing. And what you says is no. So Paul taught never be complacent with your Christianity. So Paul, as he lived his life, he always showed an appreciation for what God did for him, recognizing what he called him out of so that he could be saved. But as we look at the other side of this concept, as we go through our book of Samuel, we see that there are some who don't understand this condemnation that comes from being complacent in their relationship with God. We read about how God started by choosing a king for his people through calling a priest. We discovered how it was a grateful, God-fearing woman who was in the midst of being abused by her husband's other wife who went to God in the depth of her sorrows and prayed for a child that God gave her that she recognized the blessing that God bestowed upon her and she said I'm going to give this child to God all the days of his life because she was grateful for what God had done for her but as she gives this child as Hannah gives this child to the 
temple for the service of God, she gives them to this priest, Eli, who also has two boys. Now, Eli's boys, they've become very complacent with the fact that they are called to be priests in a perpetual priesthood. And Eli doesn't teach them to be appreciative of the blessing that they had of their relationship with God. You see, and Eli is not teaching Hophni and Phinehas how to respect, how to reverence, how to live their lives in such a way that they showed God that they understood what they were called to not only led to their downfall, but the downfall of their whole family. Because they didn't take God's priesthood serious and they slept with the woman who came to the temple and they took advantage of the offering and they took the lion's share of the offering for themselves. What God did was he cursed the whole family and they lost out of being priests, that lineage. Now let's read a little bit of 1 Samuel, God's response to this situation. It helps to read 1 Samuel 2, starting at about verse 12 and following. But for today's sermon, we're going to start at verse 27. God's condemnation, God, how he sees what Eli's sons did. And what's interesting is, I'll just put this out there, is that God's word, we can be assured of it. And we don't have to worry about the source of it from a man's point of view, because if it's from God, it's valid. And we have this condemnation on these priests that not only comes from a prophet, but will also be told to Samuel in the next chapter. God's word doesn't go out void, and God's word is going to come through sources that would not necessarily be recognized at first because the priests were supposed to be honoring it and they weren't. So God sent a message to them from other sources. That just gives us something to consider as we go about our lives to being receptive to hearing God's truth, no matter what source it comes from, because there's validity in it if it comes from God even if it's from a source in which we might not fully recognize. Because God could be trying to reach us and to tell us to be cautious of what we're doing. And we're supposed to come to Scripture and understand it, but at times people come across our lives and they give us reminders, give us recollections of what we have been told, what we have been called to. So we must be aware to weigh every message that comes across our ears to check the source, the validity of it, because it could be God trying to tell us through somebody else and give us a warning or to give us something to at least think about as we go through this life. But in response to Eli's wicked sons, this is what God says. Verse 27 in the second chapter of Samuel, 1 Samuel. Now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord says. 
Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestors out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your ancestors' family all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, Far be it from me, those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. The time is coming when I will cut your strength short and the strength of your priestly house so that no one in it will reach an old age and you will see distress in my dwelling. Although good will be done to Israel, no one in your family line will ever reach old age. Every one of you that I do not cut off from serving at my altar, I will spare only to destroy your sight and to sap your strength and all your descendants will die in the prime of life. And what happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be assigned to you. They will both die on the same day. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house and they will minister before my anointed one always. Then everyone left in your family line will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver and a loaf of bread and plead, appoint me to some priestly office so I can have food. You see, Hophni and Phinehas, and I say even by extension, Eli had become accustomed to taking their work, their service in the tabernacle for granted. They were stealing the choice piece of the meat of the people's sacrifice to God. They were supposed to let the meats boil and the fat break it apart, but no, what did his sons tell the people? Give me a piece of flesh that has not been cooked, basically saying, I'm going to take what the Lord is rightfully his for myself. And we read in scripture and when we see that Eli had become fat off of eating some of these sacrifices. And even God right here, he acknowledges it. You guys have disdained my sacrifice and you have benefited yourselves because you have become complacent with the fact that you have a perpetual priesthood and you have done all that you wanted to your destruction because you did not consider that my grace was extended so that you could work out your salvation, not so that you could get deeper entrenched in uh, your evil ways and not call your sons to a higher standard of living. They had got to the point to where they were openly stealing God's 
offering. That would be as if me as the minister was going into the offering in front of everybody and just taking what I wanted and challenging, daring somebody to say something. That's what they did when these people offered their meat. They were openly sleeping with the women who came to the tabernacles, even though it says that they were married. One of their wives died in childbirth when they died. See, they had no respect, not only for who they were as God's people, but for the role that God had given them as a priest before his people. They had become complacent with their relationship with God. They didn't have integrity as priests. And because they didn't have integrity, they lived in such a way that had a negative impact not only on them, but their whole family. And dare I say, it caused people to have a a bad taste in their mouth about coming to do tabernacle worship. Because they knew that their worship was not going to be respected. But in that, I want us to see that they didn't stop worshiping. That even in a situation that was less than ideal, God didn't tell his people to not go worship, to not give. What he said is, I will deal with those who disrespect my worship. I will deal with those who are not treating properly the things that I have called holy. But he still called his people to go worship. He still called his people to a standard. And we also see how with a lack of integrity, we can condemn somebody harshly in one situation and tread lightly with the ones we love in the very same context. We read how that uh, Hannah had went to the temple and she's praying to God in the bitterness of her soul and Eli comes out and condemns her for being drunk while she prays to God and she's actually praying. And he has harsh, strong words for her. And yet, when he speaks to his sons, it's soft. It's just like, boys, I hear about what you're doing. You shouldn't do it. Now, if a man sins against a man, God can contend for him. But if you sin against God, who will contend for you? And it doesn't seem like it has the same fire that he had when he confronted Hannah. He commands Hannah to put away her drunkenness but just converses with Hophni and Phinehas about the very things that probably he thought Hannah was doing. They were sleeping with women at the temple. They were taking the Lord's sacrifices. And she was a woman who appeared on the outside to him be participant in that yet he deals harshly with her but lightly with his boys because he had put his priestly integrity to the background for the sake of relationship with his son and what God says is all of that is wrong and I'm going to condemn all of that because as a priest you do not have the integrity to stop your sons from 
disrespecting my service, my worship, my offering, and understand what I have called you to, because that is a privileged position. And that highlights one of the problems of religious complacency. People don't understand what it truly means to be a child of God because God has granted us this favor and we have just lived with it since the day we received it and we still are in this world and we want to have some type of foot in both realms. And so we do things that put us in a role of God's people but also put us in the realm of finding some benefit in this life. And if we don't understand the grace that's afforded, what we will do is start to look lowly on being a child of God and find ways to benefit ourselves in this world that might come in to contradiction to what God is calling us. For Hophni and Phinehas, what that looked like was taking what they wanted out of the, the offering to God. Having relationships with women that were ungodly and still considering themselves a priest. And this brought contempt on them and also upon their father who didn't take a hard stand against that sin. Even though he was to judge all of God's people, he didn't judge his family right. And that is difficult at times because we love those who God has placed us in intimate relationships with, our spouses, our children, dare I even say those whom we consider close friends. But when we see that they're doing wrong, especially those of the household of faith, we must be willing to take a stand and call them out on it, not to say that we're more righteous than them, but to save them from the condemnation that comes with being in opposition to the will of God. And that's difficult at times. Because what it will require is putting that relationship to the test to see the strength of it. Because when you call somebody out for how they are in relation to God and you tell them that they're wrong, you risk losing relationship with them. Dare I say you risk losing some of the benefits that they have in this world as well. If Eli tells Hophni and Phinehas that you're wrong and you need to stop this and I'm not going to participate in that, he not only loses his sons, he also loses the portion of what they were stealing from God. Which is not right to continue doing that, but to see it from a person's point of view, he loses out on some of what he was benefiting on because he had gotten used to it because it was good to him. And I'm pretty sure as they brought this lion's share of meat home and they cooked it up for the family, as he's sitting there eating it, he's like, this is good. And he got used to it. And he got so used to it that he willingly participated in the sin that they had. And we can willingly participate in other people's sin because 
some part of it is beneficial good to us. And what we're supposed to do as children of God is say, I need to stop, sever this relationship in the physical realm so I can live up to the relationship that God has called me to the spiritual room because I understand that he's called me to a higher standard and I must not become complacent in who I am as a child of God and allow that status to just take the grace and mercy that's afforded me for granted and not live up to the integrity that God is calling me to as his child because it causes us to say what is more important our relationships with people or our relationship with God. And that's something that we constantly have to question. And that might mean looking at our spouses and be willing to say those difficult things, not because of what we feel personally, but because of what God is saying spiritually. It might mean looking at our children and have to call them to something other and different, not because of how we feel about what they're doing personally, but because we recognize what they're doing spiritually. It might extend to brothers and sisters in the church. It might extend to people we walk this world with that we have in relation to jobs, in relation to neighborhoods, in relation to just interactions we have to where we say, This is not what I want, but this is what God sees it. And a lot of times that really starts to rub together when we have to lose some benefit, when we have to lose some relationship because we're calling people to a higher standard because that's what God wants of us. Because we must understand that just because God has Bequeathed a role upon us doesn't mean that we're going to maintain it for life. Once saved, we're not always saved. Our salvation is contingent upon our response to Jesus. So we can be a Christian and forget what we're called to and lose out on salvation. Because we haven't taken the things that are serious to God serious to us. Because we haven't called those out who are disrespecting, dishonoring God, who are in close relationship to us. Because we feel we don't want to lose that relationship when we have really severed our relationship with God. We don't want to ever get like Eli to where we recognize that I have a position with God and that there are some who I benefit from relationship with that are disrespecting God and I'm not going to hold their feet to the fire. We want to live with an integrity that allows us to be godly, led by Christ at all times in all aspects of our lives, regardless of what that means to our earthly relationships. And that's difficult. And that's difficult. But what it does is it causes us to value our relationship with God other than any other relationship. Because if we don't do that, 
what really will happen is we can be replaced. We owe God. God doesn't owe us. Just as surely as God gave Hannah a son and she gave that son to God. And while I'm pretty sure that Hophni, Phinehas, and Eli probably looked at that boy as an outsider and said, you're not a Levite, so you're not going to be a true priest. And God would say, I'm raising up somebody who has a heart after me who will replace those who are not going to follow after me, who are not going to respect me. And he did it right in their presence. There's a little boy wearing a linen ephod whose mother and father year after year come with a new priestly garment for this kid who's not of the priestly family, yet he's living with his whole life in servitude to God because his mother understood the depth of what God did in blessing her with the son and how that God could really do something more with that child than she could ever. So she leaves him to God and something in that relationship gets instilled to Samuel to where he's raised in the same household as Phineas and, and Hophni and he respects what God has called him to. He understands what God really wants for his life. And you'll see in the third chapter of 1 Samuel that in this context to where you have a priest who lives a long time. He dies when he's 98 years old. He has two boys who's serving as priests. God doesn't speak to him. He speaks to this boy, Samuel, who's raised by them, but who's not of them. Because God can utilize whoever it is he wants. And when we understand that, we do not get so assured of our position in life that we say, I'm going to do whatever I want as a Christian. We say, I'm going to do what God calls me to as his child that's going to reflect him in this life. I'm going to live my life in such a manner that it is evidenced through how I interact with everyone. Because I understand that my position is contingent upon my obedience. I recognize that I can be replaced if I don't live up to the calling that God has on me. So I'm not going to take it for granted that what God has given me is irrevocable. Even when not, we're not working for God, God is working. Eli, Hophni, Phinehas, not taking their calling as high as they should. But what is God doing? He's still utilizing them to have a context for Samuel to be raised up so that Samuel can eventually replace them, so that Samuel can eventually at some point service the tabernacle in a way that they weren't. And utilizes Samuel to become the one who selects the king for Israel. Why? Because Samuel, in his life, understood that he must live with integrity before God. And that just because God had blessed him to be utilized in the function of service as a priest, that he couldn't take that lightly. 
And he gets to the point to where he confronts Saul two times to tell Saul the error in Saul's ways because Saul wasn't doing what God had called him to do. I'm pretty sure which was difficult because at one point he even recognizes that if I go out here to Bethlehem to anoint this young boy, that Saul will see it and Saul will kill me if he finds out what I'm doing. And God gives him away. So he has to confront the very one whom God used him to select as the king of his people, whom I'm pretty sure he had a close relationship with, whom he saw grow up at one point was the biggest person in Israel, but was so humbled in his own sight that he thought he was a nobody. And Saul sees him exalt himself to the point to where he's going defiantly against God and doing what God tells him not to do because he made his understanding, his rationale more important than God. And Samuel has an integrity to call Saul out, something that Eli doesn't do. Yet Samuel's still flawed because he doesn't hold his sons up to the standard. But that tells us something. That God is always at work. That even if we as individuals are not going to do what God is calling us to, God has somebody that is going to do what God wants done. And if it's not us, we will be replaced. So we must never get so comfortable that we think that just because we are where we're at, we're doing God a favor. Because we're not. He's done us the favor. And it's exemplified in the grace and mercy afforded us. And another thing that we see is that God's word is consistent through this. That the standard that God is calling them to was one that he established when he called his people about Egypt. This priestly lineage that Hophni and Phinehas were supposed to be a part of was one that he established in the tribe of Levi in the Aaron's family's descendants because they had stood up for God because he said instead of taking a firstborn I'm going to take this tribe and they're going to forever do service to my tabernacle to my temple because they are who I am redeeming out of Israel for service for me and here we get to the days of Hophni Phineas and Eli, and they don't understand that even though God has called them, their family to a perpetual priesthood, that they lost it. Because what's undergirthing their blessing, their calling, was God had a standard, God had a word. God had a, a way of life that he wanted all to live to, especially his priests. And so he reminds them of this in this man of God and then later in this boy Samuel that you're going to be cursed because you did not take being utilized by God serious. And so it's important that when we hear God's word that we respond to it appropriately 
Because if we take lightly the commandments of God, no matter who we are, there is condemnation that comes with disregarding God's word. The priests are later told, you're going to lose that priesthood and I'm going to give it to somebody who will have a heart for me. We must understand that. And that God's not just giving us these words, these instructions, this Bible, for us to just look at it and say, that's a good story. Those are interesting words. No, he's giving it to us so that we can mold our lives around. He's giving it to us so that it could guide us back to him. He's giving it to us because he really wants us to live our lives in such a way that we know that we have been given grace and that we understand what that really means and the integrity that we're supposed to have in regards to the grace received, the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. So, as we considered who we are as God's children, who we're called to be as Christians, we must never become complacent. We must never get so used to being Christians that it just is something that we do that has no impact on our lives. So, so that we can call ourselves Christians and sin willfully and disregard who God has called us to be because if we do, we're going to lose out on the real benefit of being a Christian. We're going to lose out on salvation. And we do not want to do that. We don't want to be people that God has selected and that God has done something great for that don't get the benefit of it because we're looking for some type of earthly gain. The sacrifice that Hophni Phinehas stole that Eli ate, it wasn't worth losing the priesthood. The not calling his boys to a standard was not worth cursing his whole family and not understanding that God can utilize even the very people that we might not suspect cost that family a lot. But we can learn from it. When we're not complacent with our status as Christians, and when we understand the grace afforded, and we do all that we can, knowing that sometimes we fall, but knowing that we have a God who wants us to strive to do better, and we seek to do that, we'll find ourselves like Samuel. We'll find ourselves being utilized by God for God's purposes, no matter where we start off at. Samuel wasn't the Levite, but Samuel allowed God to use him, and he became a priest. Samuel was left at the temple, and he was the last judge, but God used him to select the first two kings, because Samuel had a heart for God, and when we have a heart for God, We'll never get comfortable and allow our relationships in this world to cause us to lose out on what God's calling us to. Samuel wasn't perfect, no. He still struggled. His boys didn't live up to the standard that he had exemplified. 
but he still called out those whom he cared about when they were doing wrong, evident in the fact that he tells Saul two times, you have sinned before God. And he didn't allow Saul's status as king and also as the one whom he cared about, whom he loved, whom he selected to be the first king to, 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 to cloud his judgment, to tell him God's word. Because Samuel stood with God and understood what God called him to be. He wasn't complacent. I would say he was courageous. I would say that he was careful. I would say that he was concerned because he knew the relationship that God wanted to have with him and all people. And he knew what God called him to. And when we are concerned, careful, and understand what we're called to, I believe we'll walk with the same integrity, which I, I, would, I would go out on a limb and say we have. But I would encourage us to continue to. Because at times, the toughest times, is when we have to call out our loved ones, when we have to risk losing the benefits that they may get from maybe the sin they participate in. Sometimes it's us who needs to be called out. But having the integrity to know that this relationship is really supposed to be leading me closer to God and not, and not being scared to go out with God and forsake the benefits in this life for the blessings of eternal life will help us, will help us to be that what God has called us to in Christ. My prayer is that each and every day we strive more and more to be what God has called us to we get a deeper understanding through God's word who he wants us to be. And we utilize relationships in this life to draw us closer to that. And if we are ever called out for something that we're done, especially by someone whom we love, that we have the humility to weigh it against God's word. And if it's what God calls us to, we actually change our lives so that we align ourselves with God's. That's my prayer. That's my hope. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, 
Go to your local Church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.